Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful David Flores Wilson. David, are you ready to do this? Uh, definitely. How are you doing, George? I, I am doing great. I am doing great. Thank you, man. Let's do this. David is a CFP, a CFA. He is the editor of Planning to Wealth. He is a senior wealth manager at and financial planner at Watts Capital. His work has been featured on Yahoo Finance, Investopedia, CNBC, and many other spots. I'm excited to have you on. David, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Thanks, George. Um, gosh, it's been almost, I guess, 20 years I've been in financial services, George, and uh, the first half of my career was uh, was done in investment banking. I was at uh, Lehman Brothers and then Barclays. And, uh, you know, as I take a look now at, at sort of the work we did there, and, um, you know, frankly, I actually hated it, right? So I was, <laughs> when you're doing investment banking, uh, you don't have much control over your schedule. Uh, you don't really have the opportunity to travel that much for fun. And, uh, you know, a lot of my family is on the other side of the world. I was born and raised in Guam. And so, um, as I wanted to sort of was looking at my career, you know, it was going through the financial crisis and, uh, you know, 2008, 2009, um, you know, I was starting to, um, you know, work with my coworkers on their sort of personal finances. And, uh, I was the guy, the guy in the office people would go to and they ask if, you know, how should I allocate my 401k or, um, I put together this, you know, rent versus a buy spreadsheet that, um, it got passed around the office a lot as people were thinking about their real estate decisions. So, um, you know, I personally wanted to, to work in a business that were, you know, I could make more, you know, meaningful connections with people and, and impact people's lives directly. And, um, you know, I saw that a lot of people in, in, in the financial planning world weren't getting that much, uh, in the terms of, you know, objective advice. Right. And so, um, you know, people were paying more fees than I thought they should. And, um, I thought that, um, you know, there's not a lot of transparency in our business sometimes. And so, uh, you know, for me, I have a, a deep seated belief system that, uh, you know, people deserve, you know, true objective advice and, and, um, you know, I, transition to financial planning and, and I've been able to walk, uh, with, uh, clients on their financial journeys and, 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 and be able to, you know, give advice and make meaningful connections. And I think that's, uh, uh, I've been doing that ever since. So. I think that's great. And that's, uh, what really smart people, when, when, when I listen to them, they say, you know what, what do people ask you about? What do they come to you for? that's probably what you should be doing. So when other coworkers were coming to you and asking you about, you know, hey, how should I be invested? Should I buy a house? Should I rent? Um, it is perhaps the uh, the world telling you that you should go into becoming a financial advisor, and here we are. So, well, that, that must have been a crazy experience. I mean, being an investment banker just alone is probably a pretty wild experience on Wall Street and then li- working and living through the uh, the financial meltdown at Lehman Brothers and now it's been 10 years since that took place, which is which is kind of crazy. How is, and, and, and you touched on it a little bit, talking about how you, you didn't like the high fees, lack of transparency, uh, the, the need for objectivity. 
How do you think that 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 perspective plays in to your life, how you look at the business, but then also how do you think the perspective plays into how how ordinary folks who aren't wrapped up in, in, in money on a daily basis, how perspective plays into their overall success with money? Well, George, I think that, um, you know, it's very strange in this country, right? Because I think financial literacy generally uh, is such a problem. And I, you know, it's not fully addressed in our education system. Um, you know, there's different studies that show that, you know, the vast majority of Americans are, you know, they're living paycheck to paycheck, just, uh, you know, let alone saving enough for retirement. Right. And, you know, personally for me, I, I got lucky, right. In the, in the financial literacy lottery almost, right. I think it's, you know, my dad was a CPA. And so I always got these sort of nuggets of financial wisdom growing up, you know, whether it's related to, you know, taxes or savings or investing. And, um, you know, as well, I took a, an elective at, uh, in college at UC Berkeley with, um, on personal finance. And, and so, you know, a lot of people are sort of crowdsourcing, um, you know, their financial literacy through friends and family. And I think that, uh, uh, as well, you know, there's, there's many financial personalities that people are drawn to, you know, sort of the Susie Ormans of the world or Rachel Cruz. And, um, I think that, um, you know, working with different people and, and sort of seeing their different, different circumstances and, and, you know, just being able to, you know, give them different strategies and tips as, you know, kind of as we walk with the journey, you know, that financial journey with them, I think, um, of late, I've been, um, you know, sort of taking some of that and, and, and translating that into, to content so that, um, you know, it could be out there and sort of deep dive on different topics. And I think that, um, you know, whether it's, you know, how much should you have an emergency? Everyone knows they should have an emergency fund, but, you know, how much should it be? Should it be three months or nine months? You know, how does the type of job you have affect, you know, how much you should have in the emergency fund? How much, um, you know, for example, if, if you have kids or not, how does that affect that? And I think those are some of the topics I try to address uh, in the content and, and uh, you know, just give a little bit of the perspective that I have from, from working with clients and, um, you know, being through a few cycles. Yeah, I appreciate that. There's a, a lot of information out there, and we don't necessarily know what we should be focused on, what we shouldn't be focused on, and people are ready to to receive information and knowledge at different stages of their lives, and 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 all that good stuff. So that there's 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 a lot that uh, that that goes into doing a good job. And I know that you produce and and do a lot of writing, and there's a lot of great stuff on your website, which I think we'll get into in a minute. But um, one of those topics that I think is is difficult for for younger people to get their brain around is social security and if you were to ask them you know 20 something year old what do you think about social security you know you probably get a million different answers like it's not going to be around or i have no idea but what are some things that you think that 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 younger folks should be thinking about in regard to social security uh sure you know, i think you're right i mean most young people are, are basically ignoring social security right it's and I think that, you know, some of that has to do with, um, you know, there's many misconceptions about the program uh, as well. It's just so far off uh, for, for many people, you know, sometimes, you know, decades away from any sort of potential collecting of Social Security that, you know, they're not focused on it. And, you know, m my client base is mostly people in their, you know, late 30s, early 40s. 
uh, you know, busy executives or business owners. And I think what I try to impart is that um, to treat Social Security like an asset, right? It's, um, you know, many people will have these large balances in their IRAs or 401ks um, or brokerage accounts. And, you know, they'll use all sorts of different strategies or techniques uh, to maximize returns or lower expenses. And, and my belief is that um, you should be doing that with Social Security as well, right? Um, you know, Social Security is, you know, frankly, you know, a dollar uh, that people get in Social Security is, is probably worth more than a dollar that, you know, that comes out of your brokerage account or, or your IRA uh, when you're in retirement. Because, you know, whether that's, you know, 2000 or 3000 whatever that amount is, um, you know, you're going to get that money indefinitely once you start collecting, right? And, um, you know, that's, you know, basically the equivalent of a million dollar asset that you're, you know, you're taking 3% out or so. Right. And, um, you know, so when people do collect Social Security, you know, it's not going to be subject to payable taxes. Um, you know, for many people, it's tax-free income, uh, you know, depending on how much income they'll have in retirement. Uh, as well, you know, they'll be retired. So, you know, the lifestyle expenses will be different and, you know, potentially lower and some, for some people, uh, you know, much lower, right? Um, you know, you'll no longer need to save when you're in retirement. So, you know, the money that you're allocating in your budget now, um, you know, you won't need to do that if you've done the right planning uh, along the way. Um, as well, you know, if the planning is, has been done and you've been taking the right steps, uh, you know, you won't have a mortgage and you won't have these other debts. So, you know, the, the dollar of Social Security, you know, versus a regular dollar um, uh, of other income is just much more valuable. And um, to sort of address the, you know, the program itself, I think, you know, not just young people, but I think, you know, people even in their 60s thinking about the claiming decisions, um, you know, many times in the back or even the front of their minds, it's, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, their belief is that Social Security won't be along, around for that long and sort of impacts their decisions. And I think, you know, for me, I, I just always look to the trustees report. You know, there's one that came out that comes out every year, um, you know, and it it's, um, you know, there's still, you know, $2.9 trillion in there as of the end of 2017. And, and you know, there are estimates that are that it'll be funded fully until 2034, uh, at which point um, it'll be, you know, funded 70, 70%. And then, you know, that'll trickle down uh, until 2092. And so, you know, that's how I sort of think about it. And then, okay, well, you know, if it's not going to be fully funded, you know, what will it take to fully fund it? And then should people, you know, should people consider, should they rely on that asset? And so, you know, the estimates show that, you know, basically it takes a 3% increase in payroll taxes, uh, you know, to get fully funded again. And, you know, that's, you know, with people, you know, with the employer and employees already paying, you know, 12.4, you know, a three, another 3% is going to hurt. Um, and depending on the appetite and, uh, and the political environment, um, you know, we'll see what happens, but I think that, you know, it's not just the only way to sort of fully fund it. Um, you know, we could potentially increase the retirement age, which is, you know, 67 for people born after 1960, or, uh, you know, they could reduce the cost of living allowances or, uh, even increase the maximum income that, uh, social security is subject to. So, uh, there's a variety of ways to deal with it. None of them, uh, are easy, but I think that, um, I wouldn't make any decisions, uh, and totally discount social security because, 
my belief is it, you know, even for uh, millennials or Gen Xers, it's uh, it's going to be around in some shape or form. Um, and uh, it's just a question of, you know, how, what it will take to fix it. Got it. Yeah, it should be interesting. So it's fully funded until 2034. And then we'll see what the appetite is to uh, to make changes. Hopefully, uh, the government will be a little bit more proactive um, than waiting right up until the last minute. But I, I guess we'll yeah, just I'm have not holding to wait. my breath on that we'll either. Just so. have to wait and see on that one. So in terms of uh, people being proactive about their finances, what are some ways that you think that people can do a good job making sure that they are being proactive with, with their money? Sure. Um, I mean, the way I, I kind of see it is, is there's sort of five areas that, you know, people could, sh- should focus on. And I think that um, if they're you know, doing a little bit of, of each area, uh, things would be okay. Right. And um, you know, one of obviously that, and, and it's sort of just blocking and tackling basic stuff. Right. So people should be saving, um, investing, they should be protecting themselves, they should be minimizing debt and uh, as well minimizing taxes. And there's, you know, all sorts of strategies and, 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 and tactics related to each one of those areas, uh, you know, depending on what age they are and their personal situation. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, breaking it down, you know, you know, when it comes to saving, people should be budgeting, right? Obviously, um, a lot of people don't do this, but, um, you know, looking at where the money went, comparing that, um, uh, you know, putting a budget together and then comparing that budget to expenses again after some time has passed, um, you know, can go a long way as well as, you know, taking the decision making out of saving, right? Just auto saving into, uh, you know, having an auto deposit into your 401k and then into your brokerage account and uh, a Roth IRA and, and just sort of thinking through, okay, well, what does it take to, to accomplish the goals I, I have? And, um, you know, what is it going to take in terms of monthly income? And then, um, you know, having those, those funds go into those various places automatic, automatically, uh, just goes a long way. Um, you know, investing, you, I think obviously you can ask a hundred different financial advisors or investment professionals and you'll get a hundred different answers. But, um, you know, I, (laughs) I think that, uh, you know, as long as people are keeping expenses low, um, you know, you know, they're saving money on, on taxes by, by, uh, not turning over the portfolio too much. And, uh, so that way they, you know, avoid short-term capital gains and, uh, ordinary income taxes. Um, you know, they're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to make more progress as, as, uh, they march towards financial independence and, um, you know, as well, you know, it's minimizing debt. And I think, um, you know, this is just such a big part, you know, I think, you know, it starts with people, you know, that are 17, 18 years old, we're asked them to take on uh, large amounts of debt and make a decision that will affect the rest of their lives when it comes to college and student loan debt. And so, um, you know, for example, every 50,000 or so of student loan debt, uh, you know, basically means a $500 month payment for the next 10 years after they graduate. Um, You know, if you took that same $500 and you throw it, threw it into an investment account, you know, that would, that'd be a million dollars or so depending on the rate of return, um, by the time they were in retirement. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, you know, as long as they're saving, investing, uh, they're protecting against, you know, disability, they're protecting their home, protecting, uh, against the the death of a loved one, as well as, uh, you know, minimizing debt and, 
and uh, and minimizing taxes. Those are the sort of the the core uh, the core parts of any sort of financial strategy is my my belief. Yeah, no, I think that that really makes sense. Well, David, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? My my advice to people is really just to build a team, right? And I think, you know, finding the right mix of of tax professionals, legal professionals, um, you know, an estate planning professional, as well as a financial advisor, um, you know, it really can lay the right foundation for uh, for effectively managing your finances and and, and marching towards uh, financial independence. Well, I think that is definitely great stuff. Certainly warrants. Come on. Come on. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, uh, they can you know reach me at, uh, at my website, which is uh, www.planningtowealth.com or uh, as well on, on Twitter or, uh, um, you know, most social media channels. So. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show David your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. You can find him at planningtowealth.com as well as social media, and I will list those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, David. Thanks so much, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, And definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!